0: Hello, and welcome, everyone. I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. This is our look at how Indeed has been navigating the global impact of COVID-19. Today is August 30th. We are on day 545 of global work from home. And today is our 60th episode of Here to Help. And looking back over the discussions we've had, one thing is crystal clear, is the importance of work and vocation to people's happiness and to their lives. Over the past 18 months, how we work and where we work has changed, but the pandemic has also had a profound impact on how we think about work, the jobs we're doing now, the ones we wanna have in the future. Recent reports on what is being called the Great Resignation have highlighted that somewhere between 20 and 40 percent of employees in the U.S. and the U.K. are considering leaving their current job. My guest today has thought quite a lot about these issues. Jessica Jensen is indeed chief marketing officer, and the work that she and her team do is critical to helping people get jobs all over the world. Jessica joined Indeed earlier this year after serving in senior marketing roles at Facebook, Apple, uh, and most recently, Booking.com. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris. This is the delight.
0: Let's start where we always start these discussions with a check-in. How are you doing today, right now?
1: Thank you for asking. Um, I'm, I'm well. My family is well, uh, so I feel very fortunate about that. Um, Uh, But, you know, I think there's there's so many people around the world uh, suffering now in Haiti and Afghanistan and now Hurricane Ida lashing our own country. Um, I feel both great fortune, but also deep, uh, deep sadness about how many people are suffering right now. How are you doing?
0: Um, I am I am doing well and uh, thinking about all the same things that you are, and that's uh, really kind of a centerpiece of a lot of the conversations that we've had on Here to Help over the last year and a half. There's so much going on that affects so many people, and um, part of what we're going to talk about today is how that motivates and, and drives us to do the work that we do. So um, let's start out by just giving a little background. So you joined... This year, as uh, the CMO of Indeed, can you talk a little bit about what attracted you to Indeed and what it was like taking over the entire marketing function remotely from your home where you are today?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, as you know uh, uh, more than anyone, that our mission to help people get jobs uh, is incredibly inspiring and socially critical. Um, and, uh, I, I, I was just absolutely, uh, overjoyed when Indeed reached out to me. Um, and then learned so much more about the breadth and depth of the company, the global reach, the being part of Recruit Holdings and the Japanese businesses, the fact that Glassdoor is part of our family as well. I think there's so much more to Indeed than I understood. Uh, and then got to know a lot of the people in the organization. And, uh, I just think it's the most, you know, committed, motivated, open-minded, helpful, generous, down-to-earth group of people that I've gotten the honor to work with. I think that you are a very low-ego, conscientious leader, and you set uh, a really uh, amazing tone for everyone who works here. So the social impact of the business and the people uh, and the products that I get to get to work on every day are uh, just absolutely delightful.
0: Well, we're certainly glad you're here. Um, but before we move forward and talk more about the work that you're doing today, I'd love to talk a little bit about your career journey. In particular, you mentioned Recruit Holdings, our parent company. I know that Japan has played a special role for you in your life. Can you talk about how uh, growing up in Kansas, you became uh, fascinated with and and in love with Japanese culture.
1: Yeah, it's a very obvious connection, I know. Um, so yeah, born and raised in Kansas City, um, and my dad is a painter, and both of my parents are obsessed with art history. Uh, and I basically grew up going to museums and uh, studying art. And I fell in love with uh, Chinese and Japanese art, and in particular, uh, brush painting and a lot of the um, East Asian art techniques. Uh, I started studying Japanese in high school. I studied Japanese and art history for about a decade. Uh, I lived in Japan for four years. Um, so some, some people on, the, on this will remember the song, I'm Turning Japanese, I really think so. Uh, that was definitely my personal theme song for a while. Uh, I just could not get enough of Japan. Uh, so um, the 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 joyous irony of now joining a company that is owned by a Japanese company and getting to speak Japanese again and having a, a, a good sized Japanese team is just a total hoot for me. Just super fun.
0: So... Um how did that experience in terms of the the fascination with with other cultures and with art how did that lead you to silicon valley and what what brought you into the world of technology
1: right yeah i mean i i there i would say throughout my you know teens college 20s i was trying to go to as many countries and experience as much of the world as possible. So uh, I did some work for the UN in the Ivory Coast in 1991 during the Liberian Civil War. Uh, I went to business school in France. I uh, traveled through Central America for four months. So I was really trying to just, you know, suck as much world experience into my life as possible. Ended up going to grad school for Japan studies uh, in San Diego and really thought I wanted to be a diplomat that I was like, I'm going to go to work for State Department, that whole thing. Um, and then also just on a lark, uh, decided to interview with management consulting companies because they were on campus. Um, and I interviewed with the Boston Consulting Group and I absolutely loved the people and the, the variety of the work. And I think. of viewed it as a way to get dunked in business and learn what that was all about and try on a lot of different sweaters um so decided to move to la and uh, thought i would do it for a couple of years and check it out and then you know either you know go into the state department or do a phd in japanese politics lo and behold six years at bcg um, loved every minute of it it was super fascinating And that was when the internet was blossoming. So that was the late 90s for people who remember that. Uh, I worked on e-toys and uh, a lot of the amazing early internet businesses and just realized that I was witnessing an absolute explosion in human connection and technology and the power of the internet to shrink the world um and really fell in love with it and uh you know uh realized that I could make a life out of working on uh businesses or organizations that leverage that technology um so ended up leaving the Bossy consulting group and I won't take you through every uh fascinating and bizarre twist and turn uh but moved to the bay area uh about 11 years ago and uh then worked for yahoo apple facebook bookings so I've pretty much been in internet businesses since there were internet businesses.
0: So one thing that is very clear to anyone that gets to know you is that you are extraordinarily driven by values. And, and I know that in talking to you that there has been uh, some of the experience in, in the business world of a, a clash between the values you grew up with. And the things that that mean something to you personally, and the culture you experienced in Silicon Valley, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, I don't know if it's my Kansas roots or my family or or a combination of things, but um, I really uh, I really believe that uh, you know no one is is, is capable of uh, achieving something on you know solely on their own. I really believe in the power of the group, the power of teams. Um, generosity, honesty. Um, and I, I will say I have witnessed, you know, and it's not unique to Silicon Valley, but there's definitely a level of chest beating and hero worship. Um, and, uh, frankly, a bro culture, a, 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 a you know, typically male dominated culture. Um, and I think, you know, working at Apple and really feeling like, you know, people there thought, people there and people outside of Apple thought Steve Jobs was kind of the messiah. And um, I believe that organizations are built by large droves of people all rowing the boat hard together. Certainly leadership matters, as you know, and in your own life. But um, yeah, I think I think there's some... Um, some arrogance and some, uh, some hero worship stuff that has really not set very well with me.
0: So more recently, obviously the, the Me Too movement exposed, uh, a lot of toxicity in, in the world and in business in general, but, but in particular, certainly in, in many tech companies, what was your experience like early on?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I would say when I was in management consulting in the 90s, you know, I was routinely the only female in a CEO meeting or a board meeting or, you know, all of the clients that I worked with, with very few exceptions, were male. Um, and, uh, I think BCG was, and is very committed to getting women into senior positions. And so I think the, the experience of women in consulting now is quite different than it was when I was there. And, you know, we used to wear pantyhose every day to work. So a lot was wrong with the nineties. Um, and, you are but then moving to Silicon Valley, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. I decided to go to Yahoo That was the first company I worked for up here, Uh, you know, female CEO, female EVP of the Americas, a lot, head of IR was a woman. And that was really, really rare at that time. And it's one of the reasons I chose that company. Um, And then, you know, I went to Apple and there was not a single female on the executive team. I mean, and this was not that long ago. Uh, they've, They've made some progress since then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I have seen, uh, technology environments and companies where women are both thriving and extremely marginalized. Um, and I think the level of consciousness now, thanks to me too, and to women really pushing and holding people accountable, it's gotten a lot better. Um, and you know, when I was at Facebook, Cheryl Sammer was a COO, Carolyn Everson, the head of sales, um, you know, lots and lots of senior women, but I would say still, I know so many women, particularly coming up through the VC process and through fundraising who really feel that it's still a bro culture. Um, and so we have to be, we have to call that out. We have to be vigilant about that. Uh, I'm really excited that, uh, California has passed the, the requirement for female representation on boards. I definitely believe that until women are 50% of corporate boards, we will not see the kind of female representation that is required. And not just female, right? Diversity in general. I mean, I think that, uh, there's so many areas that we need to work on. Um, but, you know, uh, s- slow progress on women in the corporate setting. And certainly California is a lot better than a lot of parts of the U.S. and other parts of the world. So you know, it's a march.
0: So what responsibility do you feel as a, as a woman leader and as a marketer to, to bring that perspective and to, and to impact the world, um, in some positive way?
1: I feel a huge responsibility. I mean, I feel personally a huge responsibility because I was so lucky to grow up with great education. My parents were always in my camp and telling me I could do anything I put my mind to and worked hard for. Uh, and I have benefited from so many wonderful uh, mentors and and experiences. So I feel a giant personal resp- responsibility to help other people um, excel and grow and to change social structures. Um, and then as a marketer, I mean, how many people get to speak to tens of millions of people on a monthly basis, you know, I mean, and indeed we have, you know, over across our companies, over 250 million people coming to us every month looking for jobs. And then through our media and marketing outreach, we're, you know, reaching hundreds of millions of people around the world. So yes, it's, uh, you know, the weight is on my shoulders, what we say and how we say it and how we inspire people to find jobs and reimagine their lives and find new economic opportunity and break through social barriers. Uh, it's something I uh, think about night and day.
0: <laughs> well, so, so let's talk a little bit about that. So um, can you walk us through a little bit of the priorities that you have for the marketing team? specifically around this this mission of helping all people get jobs
1: yeah so we do um we we have a 400 person marketing team around the world hi everybody um wonderful group of people japan germany you know all over the place um and we you know try to reach job seekers around the world to engage them let them know that indeed has you know the most jobs the best place for them to find new opportunity. Um, and so as marketers, we're constantly trying to find new pockets of people, engage them in new ways. So uh, we're doing a lot of vertical uh industry, vertical outreach and engagement. So how do we really speak effectively to nurses and warehouse workers and tech employees and uh you know accountants um, and so really getting more specific with our messaging and our uh, media use to reach people in those new ways. Um, we're trying to grow in a lot of new countries like India and uh, other countries in Southeast Asia. Uh, so, you know, really thinking um, really critically about um, what are the right ways to reach people in those countries. Um, and then what, you know, what are the what are the emotional messages that people need. You know, we've been through so much suffering and challenge through COVID and women have left the workforce in droves. Um, You know, how do we re-engage women to help them think about new career opportunities? How do we help people um, coming out of incarceration? How do we help veterans? You know, how do we help people find jobs who Confront barriers or, or, or don't, you know, necessarily know how to navigate the job search world. So we create a lot of content to help people know, you know, what are the opportunities available? What are the skills that I need? What kind of certifications? How do I prepare for interviews? Uh, how do I think about virtual interviewing? What are the opportunities around remote work? So, uh, you know, it's a multi, multi pronged approach across media and countries to try to uh, really, really get people to embrace uh, the possibility to improve their lives with new jobs.
0: So in, in, indeed, as is pretty clear from that um, list of issues that you just went through, which is which is just a small slice of the things that we think about. Um, so we're clearly a mission driven company and our, our whole purpose is is very clear, but we um, in in the wake of the last few years that that the world has been through with me too black lives matter issues like climate change and and covid what is the what is the uh role of purpose in marketing in general and how how do we think about responding to what's going on in in the world around us and how how do other how should other brands think about this
1: Well, I think there's a real awakening going on in the business world and the marketing world that, um, we, we can't, we can't hide from the social, uh, challenges and ills and dynamics and conversations going on. Um, and that again, as you know, if you are using media and social channels and reaching out and spending money on, um, promoting a product or service, to do that in a vacuum and quotes, just sell cookies or just sell shoes, um, you know, is is not it's not aware of the environment that we're in. It's not accepting our responsibility to try to, you know, change the conversation. And so I think we and indeed uh, and this work on the marketing team predates me, uh, you know, we have a huge commitment to empathy at work and doing a lot you know we've done i think really compelling the team has done really compelling work around um black history month women's history month pride you know these kind of cultural moments where we can go into the market and say uh you know around uh, around women work needs women the the retreat of women from the workforce during covid is not good for women, not good for workforces, not good for society. Um, and so that we as Indeed need to be part of helping women re-engage with work. Um, and the same goes, you know, at Pride, we ran, I think, some really, really compelling work about um, the experience of um, of gay, lesbian, trans people going through the, the interview and hiring process and the special issues they face, trying to... Um, help propel the social conversation around meeting people where they are as employers and as, as candidates for jobs. Um, So I think, you know, our mission is to help people get jobs, but the how of that and the emotional and social fabric that people are in given racial awareness, COVID, et cetera, has changed so drastically that we are trying to speak in a way that is reflective of where the world is, and I think a lot of brands are figuring that out.
0: So, one of the things that, um, as a leadership team, we spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about and talking about, and I know um, is is deeply meaningful to you. Is this, you know, we're, we're a business and we have goals and we're trying to do things, and 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 your responsibility is to motivate your team and to to set um, uh, objectives for them, which are ambitious and at the same time to remain human and empathetic and deal with the context of everything that's going on in the world around us? How do you think about balancing all of those things?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. and I think one I've dealt with in my own life over the last couple of years. I mean, I think all of us feel like uh, things have gotten pretty wacky, and we're trying to um, you know, maintain careers and families and sanity and mental health, um, and everyone is dealing with that. But I would say, specifically to answer your question, I try to help people understand kind of what is the summit of the mountain that we're trying to take as a business and as an organization, um, but also be really open and honest about the fact that as we climb that mountain, we are going to... We're going to have a loose crampon. We're going to hit a boulder. We're going to, uh, be hit by a sleet storm, uh, and maybe take a few steps back and regroup and have some beef jerky, uh, and then keep going up the mountain. Uh, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a down up, down up movement that eventually yields to significant, um, growth and, and taking that summit. But I just think, you know, over the last year and a half, I mean, the number of times that people on my team, you know, slack me or contact me and they're like, you know, uh, daycare closed due to COVID, children at home, um, sick kid, grandma, sick, you know, across the country. And they just they can't make it all fit. You know, they just can't execute at work in the way that they would like to and are accustomed to because there's too much else going on that is too hard and we have to we have to flex and make allow- allowances for that. Um, and I want to thank you, Chris. I mean as you recall, about a week after I joined indeed, I was diagnosed with uh, a tumor in my pancreas. Um, which is not what you're looking for when you're starting a new job or ever. Um, uh, and you know, I just, you were incredibly supportive and empathetic and, um, you know, you said you're going to hopefully be here a long time. And so if you have to go a bit slower at the start, uh, and ramp up at a different rate to accommodate your health, um, uh, it was really, really touching for me and you were, you really supportive and, um, I really appreciate that. And, uh, fortunately I'm fine now, but I'm, I think it's, it really illustrated to me that as leaders, you know, we, we have to take care of people and we have to take care of ourselves, um, and we can run a great business at the same time.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I, I certainly, um, have been thinking a lot about the fact that as a, as a business like ours that really spends a lot of time thinking about the future, what is the process of looking for a job 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? What are the problems that we're trying to solve, which are real long-term investments? Um, I think a lot of businesses think about that, and it's very easy to forget that the the people who are responsible for doing that. Um, need to be part of that long-term yeah, thinking. That's right. And and that it's very easy to get focused, you know, and we've been having this conversation as a as a senior leadership team very recently that it is impossible to have urgency and move quickly while really thinking about the future. And that means um and and look we you know when I joined Indeed almost 11 years ago now we were 130 people we're 11,000 people now. It's um and and sometimes we still operate like just a very, very big startup. and there's a whole lot where you know and, and early stage startups don't think about people on their team and what they're doing ten years from now. but but if we do think about this, this is definitely a um, a long-term investment in in the business and and if people are a business, then um, we should be thinking about things like that. So I guess well, so one question for you then is is you know, you've been leading, uh, global teams for for many, many years, but especially in the last year and a half, through everything that that the world has has been through and some of the things that you mentioned. and global teams and diverse teams, what has changed for you about how you how, about how you think about the world through that experience of of trying to lead these teams with all of these individual experiences through not just your own experience but through everyone's experience through all of this?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, and you and I have talked about this too, you know, once upon a time, you know, you and I would be on the road, you know, two times a month, three times a month, right? Like if I had started this job three years ago, I would have gone to Texas, Dublin, Tokyo, you know, I mean, Canada, I would, have, you know, I literally would have been all over meeting teams and clients. And now a thousand percent of that is on video, um, which is both wonderful in a way in that you and I get to spend more time with our families and we spend less time lighting time on fire in airports, et cetera. However, that real human connection and being able to go out to dinner with my teams and meet clients in person and hear from them. I mean, it's a really radically different situation and it has some real downsides. Um, and people are so tired of being on video 10 hours a day, right? I mean, it's just insane. So trying to navigate how to connect with people in a really meaningful way through video and yet respect the fact that people need a break and can't just go, 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 go uh, in the same way. You know, I mean, it's, it's a huge mental adjustment and I don't think i have it iced at all. You know, I'm, uh, I reached out to somebody on my team recently and I said, you know, I want to get you and your team together and just really have fun and do something. And they were like, impossible on video. We're over it. <laughs> and they were just being really honest, right? Like um, another video happy hour. Oh, Um, so, you know, trying to find new things to do. And I, as, as you know, you know, I've done, so, I did some improv comedy in the past. And so, I'm always trying to find ways to insert humor and keep things a bit lighter, um, that works for some people. Some people think I'm silly, uh, you know, but, you know, trying to just always perceive where people are in this long journey and adjust to that and, uh, find different ways. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I think you, you know, what you're doing weekly or every other Q and A's and series like this here to help over communicating through the channels we have and trying to help people understand where the greater organism is going and what's happening and answer their questions in a generous and thoughtful way is probably, probably the best we can do, you know, um, And everybody's dealing with their own bag of goods and it's not easy. But I love what you said. I do think thinking about teams and business growth in 10 year increments helps us. I, I always say we're running, we're running sprints and a marathon at the same time. And they both require rest and hydration and sleep. Um, But I think what you said about thinking about who are the teams and the people that we need for a decade and how do we keep them engaged and fresh and going uh, is something I'm doing a lot more thinking about.
0: Yeah, and I think from the experience for me of having now been in Indeed for, for a little over a decade and thinking about those teams, you know, in some cases we need someone from the outside with different experience like you. Um, so many of the people who are in these um, really critical leadership roles at, at every level of Indeed are people who also grew up here. And so we need to find people, but we also need to to grow them. And, and that's a really, when you're thinking in terms of what's, what hires do I need to na- make next quarter, you're going to make a certain set of decisions. When I think about what is the team we need five years from now, some of those are seeds that we're going to plant today, and we're going to, you know, we can come up with whatever analogies we want there, but grow into the team that we need. And it's not, it's not all one or the other. And the the long, the long term view allows for more options than just what do I have to do right now.
1: Well, I on my on my team, I have a lot of people who've been doing essentially the same job three, four, five years. And so I'm talking to my leadership team and people like, we got to mix it up for people. You know, people who've worked in job seeker marketing need to go do time in SMB and SMB SMB people need to go work on enterprise and, you know, functional swaps, you know, um, and bringing in, you know, a lot of more uh, speakers and, and training from people from the outside. I mean, I think that we do need perspectives from other companies and organizations Um, so I think, yeah, I think we, we, uh, keeping people fresh and experiencing different parts of the business, I think is, is a really key thing we need to work on.
0: Well, as we, as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you this question, but I actually want to share a little bit myself first about, you know, one, one of the things that we always close with is, is sort of what, what has happened over the course of the pandemic that, um, gives you some optimism for the future. And, And this might seem a little counterintuitive, but what you were just talking about uh, a a couple minutes ago about our teams and everything they're going through and being done with video. Part of the experience of the last year and a half for me has been a real sort of exposure um, of, of, of the humanity of every single person in a way that, you know, some people might have lasted twelve months without cracking. Some people made it, you know, twelve hours. But we've been at this long enough, and especially now with the thing, you know, the experience that that many of us had in in some countries, and it's different in in, in other places. But where things were looking up in in the in the early summer, and then we're back in in certainly in Texas, you know, as, as bad as it's ever been with 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 this. Everyone has had everyone has reached a breaking point at some point and that's not um that's not a, a wonderful thing other than um it's a shared experience now that everyone has been like we've all reached a point where we've all had to admit in a larger or a small group that we're wiped out um and that the experience of seeing other people especially people who you might think are you know on some kind of uh higher plane the to see humanity at all levels is really um a powerful thing. And that while we have been more separate physically, I mean, I, I just got to meet you last month for the first time after working with you for for quite some time now. And 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 there clearly is some is something really powerful about us all coming together, but at the same time, we've all had to um connect at this sort of base level of the shared humanity of all of the stuff going on in our lives and it's different so many people have had so many different experiences through this time Um, and that has really given me some some hope that when we start to come back together whenever that is going to be that we don't just sort of lock that up and put it in 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 the closet and and turn the key and pretend that that didn't happen that the 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 recognition of the basic humanity that connects it's it's you know um there's this concept that one of our problems as humans is that we compare our insides to other people's outsides and and that comparison generally we you know we we come up short um in that comparison you look at the instagram view of the world and everyone looks like they're doing better than you one of the things about zoom is that i feel like we've all been sort of showing our insides a little bit to each other and when you compare your insides with other people's insides you come away with a little more feeling of connection um so that. so let me turn around and then ask you that as we're as we're closing out here what what in your experience over the last year and a half has given you some optimism for the future
1: well i will I will echo what you said and build on it. I I've been at, I've been in therapy various times in my life. My husband and I have been in couples therapy and I used to talk about that openly and people were, you could, they were shocked, you know I mean? They were like, wow, something's really wrong with her. Um, which is a different topic. Um, and now it's quite normal. So I think like you said, people have acknowledged that they, they can't do it all, and that they have hit a wall, and that they need help. So, I am really excited that mental health. You My husband and I used to joke that when we moved to Silicon Valley, you know, everybody like bikes really hardcore and runs really hardcore and fasts and eats weird food. But like nobody talks about going to therapy because they don't need it and they're strong. And now we know so many people in therapy and talking about it. And I think that that is fabulous. So I'm really excited about that. Um, And then I think just generally the the open conversation about social inequality and the need for people to uh, take a more active role in society and not, you know, stand by and be be watching what is happening in the world um, is also really heartening to me. And then I think in the business world. I think the fact that we've proved to ourselves that we don't need to be on planes all the time and that you can do a lot with people virtually, I'm not, virtual world does not replace physical connection, but I think people will travel less for work. And I think that that is better for humans and families and, uh, frankly, also the environment. So, uh, and we can't, we can't possibly do enough fast enough on that front. (laughs)
0: Well, um, I am just so grateful to get to work with you and oh, to get I to know you. And this so was insane. really a fantastic conversation. Thank you for joining me. And thank you for bringing yourself to this conversation. Not that it would have gone any other way. Uh, I'm but sorry. That's there is was- no other option. That's what I was really hoping for here. And thank you for for everything. And thank you for everything you do to help people get jobs all over the world.
1: It is an honor to be in, in your army. So thank you for having me with you.